mother is an artist. I'm not going to suddenly stop doing that because I have children. So you never felt that your mother exploited you or used you? I took the leap of faith into motherhood. I make a better aunt than I would a mother, I think. My mother, she had to make it like that. She's the most difficult job on the planet. She's the mother. That sounds like a mother already devastated my by the death of my one mom. son. She's gonna kill me. So knowing how to prepare for Mother Nature's Surprise, theory can actually save you. Barack Obama hated his mother. Mama, I love you, and we're gonna celebrate all hour with a cake. Three boys hold an American flag. They're leading a group of seven in the Scout Oath. These boys start every Cub Scout meeting this way. My name is Toby Jenkins. I'm the executive director of Oklahomans for Equality. Please join me in the Scout Law. A scout we're a big LGBT center, right in the middle, dead center of the country. And we're trying to charter our own Cub Scout troop. So we continue to have challenges with that. The challenges he's talking about? So it usually takes about two weeks to start a new Boy Scout charter. Oklahomans for Equality has been waiting for approval since last July, eight months ago. So now we're going to do a little story. They applied last July because that's when the Boy Scouts lifted a 37-year-old ban on openly gay Boy Scout leaders. Most of the people affected by the ban were actually gay parents of Scouts. Parents trying to volunteer with their kids' troops. Parents like Shauna Simpson. Um, I'm Shauna Simpson. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma with my two sons, Keelan and Zach. About four years ago, before the ban on gay leaders was lifted, Shauna went to a recruiting meeting for a troop chartered by her son's elementary school. Her oldest son is autistic, so she likes to be involved in his activities for added support. But I was told um, at the informational meeting that I wouldn't be allowed to be in a leadership role or really even volunteer um, because of my sexual orientation. And um, it was really hard because I knew my son was you know, interested in it, but to have that rejection placed in front of us just so blatantly the, you know, that I'm sorry, you're just, you're not what we want. Um, it was hard. Just that knowing that there was something that my child could participate in that, but because of his mother, he couldn't, that's, it's, it's hard to stomach. The ban was unpopular in some regions, especially New England and San Francisco. In the last few years, the Boy Scouts were getting more and more heat about it. So it wasn't that surprising when last spring, Robert Gates, the director of the century-old organization, outlined the reasons he believed the policy needed to change. We must deal with the world as it is, not as we might wish it would be. Essentially, he said a court could eventually order them to accept gay leaders. If they change the policy on their own, they could write in an exception that allows churches to continue to exclude gay leaders if that's in keeping with their faith. About 70% of Boy Scout troops are chartered by churches. We must, at all costs, preserve the religious freedom of our church partners to do this. You know, a lot of the troops, um, you know, the PACs and the DENs are 
formed here in Tulsa through churches and um, which, you know, for people like me is another issue. You know, I was asked to leave a very conservative church because of my sexual orientation. So obviously, you know, my children wouldn't be welcome at a Boy Scout pack there. Shauna and her boys had been to other family programs at Oklahomans for Equality's Community Center, but she didn't know about the plan to start the new troop until she got an email from her son's father, her ex-husband. He sent her a link to the Facebook post, and he wrote, You know, I think it's time. I think the boys would really benefit from this. And um, I contacted um, I contacted the Oklahomans for Equality and said, You know, look, I want to get involved. And how did they receive you? Um... I think the response was, how quickly can you get up here and fill out the forms? <laughs> um, and that's, you know, that's the beauty of this organization is that, you know, they saw an adult who really wanted to be involved in the lives of kids and they jumped on it. They were, they were excited. They were ecstatic. Shauna was asked to lead the oldest of the Cub Scouts, the Weebelows, through their activities. Today, the Weebelows are receiving pins to recognize what they learned from her about first aid. They have no idea they aren't official Cub Scouts. Good job. Congratulations. Oh, here you go, Cubby. This is your Weeblos colors to put your, your pin on. Thank you. It's, it's just been overwhelmingly exciting, the, the support from our community, even the support from um, outside of the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, we have children from heterosexual marriages that are part of our pack, um, whose parents just wanted their children to be involved in a place that is completely inclusive and completely loving. Um, It feels good to be a part of that history. These parents include Lisa White. I met her in the parking lot of the Public Library in Claremore, Oklahoma. It's about 30 miles from downtown Tulsa. We sat in my car for the interview. It was hot. Between carting her kids to various activities, Lisa parks near the Dairy Queen or the coffee shop where she knows the internet Wi-Fi is good. She needs access for her grad school classes, but there's no cable line that goes out to her house. It's too rural. I'm used to Girl Scouts. I was a Girl Scout. My daughter, I'm a Girl Scout leader for my daughter, but then this Boy Scout thing is all new. Like Shauna, Lisa has two boys in the Scout pack at Oklahomans for Equality, Her eight-year-old is a Cub Scout, and her older son, who's 11, just became a Boy Scout. Before coming to Oklahomans for Equality, the boys were in a pack chartered by a church. But Lisa says, They didn't make good choices. Things were occurring that I didn't agree with. And then, then when they rejected a kid after he became a leader, then I was done. Lisa told me one of the boys who grew up in that pack earned his Eagle Scout, then tried to return to the pack to volunteer as a leader. He was gay, and he was out. This was after the ban on gay leaders was lifted. Lisa says her son's pack leaders held a meeting at the church where they were chartered. They sat down. When the last man sat down, they started the vote. There was no discussion. There was no debate. It was it was a farce. They knew exactly what they were going to vote as soon as they walked in. Um, 
One man even had uh, quotes from the Bible prepared to defend himself, and which tells me he knew what he was going to say before he ever walked in the door. They all proceeded to tell me how great this kid was and how wonderful he was as a person, as a human being, and as a scout, while simultaneously informing me that he was a sinner and living a sin, whereas they might sin, he was living a sin. And I look at it as they rejected a child that looked up to them and admired them for seven years, and he comes out with one thing that they don't agree with, and they just turn their backs on him. And I didn't agree with that. And I don't want to set my children up for that same fall. Because what if someday he gets older and they decide he's done something that they don't like and they turn their backs on him? I don't want to set my kids up for that fall. Why even participate? You know, what is it about the scouts that keeps you, like, interested in what they're, in what they're doing? Um, honestly, as a kid, I loved camp. I loved camp. And I know they can go to other camps, but I'm not familiar with other camps and being in rural Oklahoma it's not always easy to access those other camps so I want them to think scouts is fun let's go camping let's go hiking let's work on badges and I don't want them to think of it as that kid's different or that adult's different or why are they two men together or two women together it's just those are parents those are kids I just want them to see them as people is this your it blows my mind. I'm just curious, like, is do you know, like, are you close with anyone who is gay or lesbian? Is this surprising to you? Is this, like, is this a new world for you? Well, I've never experienced but... the rejection and the, I guess, the dark side. I know it exists. I mean, some of my friends in college were gay, and but I don't, I guess I have rose-colored glasses and that I don't look at them that way, so I have a hard time... It's almost a shock that, oh, yeah, that does happen. Why why would somebody reject Shauna for being gay? Well, this, oh, oh, yeah, that does. <laughs> I guess I live in my own little world. <laughs> I forget. Back in Tulsa, I ask Shauna Simpson what she thinks about the delay approving charters for LGBT community centers. Um, I think we all hoped that it would be overnight. And it hasn't been. Um... I'm really hoping that they will, what I think is do the right thing and go ahead and start processing those applications. I can't imagine an organization whose entire philosophy is about respect and and responsibility and um, being kind to others. I can't imagine them saying, you know, we're going to accept you, but then telling us, but we're really not. Oklahomans for Equality isn't the only group waiting. There are LGBT centers in Salt Lake City and Chicago also hoping to charter troops. Last January, a Boy Scout executive finally responded to questions about the delay, saying no new charters may use the Boy Scouts to pursue any objective related to political or social advocacy. Except churches. No Boy Scout executives would comment for this story. Here's Shauna again. Um, you know, boys that start in the Boy Scouts early, like my youngest son has, I mean, he's a first grader, have the potential of going all the way through high school. Um, my hope is that his experience in Boy Scouts is so positive and so amazing and so overwhelming and just so happy that 
it dulls the memory of the time when they were told no. With that, we are finished. Good job. So we do have some snacks. We've got. Hold on. And tell me, tell me your name. Tommy. Can you just can you tell me what you like about Cub Scouts? Uh, eating snacks. Okay. All right. Can I ask you a question? First, tell me your name. Keelan. Um, and what and do you like about Scouts? And I like the fact that you can increase your knowledge on what to do in different situations and just, and, um, instead of just being like, oh, no, there's a snake. It, a snake. It bit me. What do I do? I don't know what to do. So it's what I think is good about Scouts. Teaches you things. That's cool. What do you like about Boy Scouts? I mean, yeah, you're a Boy Scout, right? Okay. I like that you get to go on different trips because if you're not in Boy Scouts, you usually yeah. don't get to, and you've got a whole bunch of stuff that you can do. Oh. And what's your name? Jacob White. My name is Benjamin, and my favorite thing about snack is snack. <laughs> Tell me your name. Zachary. Zachary, what do you like about Scouts? That they have fun games. Cool. Anything else? Yeah. What else? That they have the best of snacks I've ever tasted. Is this the first time the Boy Scouts have had issues with the LGBT community? No. Actually, the Boy Scouts made a ban on openly gay leaders and scouts that started in 1978. And I talked to Justin Wilson from Scouts for Equality about how the LGBT community has responded to that ban over the years. So Scouts for Equality started in the summer of 2012. And we were formed when Zach Walls, a young man from Iowa, uh, teamed up with Jonathan Hillis, who was a youth member of the Boy Scouts of America's National Executive Board. Uh, they came together and decided that they had had enough of this policy and it was time to do something about it. Wait, so 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 what is Scouts, Scouts for Equality is? Um, it, it's yeah, it's just an advocacy group that exists outside of the Boy Scouts, right? They began organizing back when the Boy Scouts were actually excluding gay youth from the Boy Scouts. And that was their first initiative, was to make sure that gay youth were included in the Boy Scouts. And then once that ban was repealed, they started working on the uh, ban of gay leaders. Again, these are mostly parents of, of youth in the Boy Scouts. Yeah, so it's like, um, I remember when I was in Girl Scouts, maybe it's different for Girl Scouts versus Boy Scouts, but it there is. were always two or three moms who were at every meeting kind of volunteering and doing a lot of stuff. So those parents, if they were gay, would not have been allowed to be part of 
like scouting activities in the boy scouts the girl scouts policies are very different but in the okay, boy yeah. scouts we're just yeah. I, yeah I know nothing of the boy scouts and yeah. the girl scouts we're not we're not really talking about girl scouts here but yeah right cool. no but i wanted okay. to make that distinction because people might not yeah. know that um and this ban on gay leaders has been around since 1978 okay so it's been around and when, for a when did while. they when did they lift the ban on allowing uh, gay youth in to the Boy Scouts? It was only a few years ago, and since then, there's been a lot of complaints um, about this ban on gay leaders because it's really affecting parents. And the event that finally, basically, killed the ban on on gay leaders happened in 2015 in New York. A young man uh, named Pascal Tessier, who was an openly gay adult, uh, about 19, 20 years old at the time, uh, he had applied to work at a Boy Scout summer camp in New York. So Pascal obviously wasn't an, a, a parent of another scout. Um, and I want to make a distinction here that, you know, people, gay people, gay and lesbian people have been hired by the Boy Scouts or or have volunteered with the Boy Scouts since the beginning of time. But usually, especially since the 1978 ban was put into place, they did it quietly, you know? Mm, okay, like it, don't ask, would, don't tell, yeah. the Boy Scout version? Don't ask, don't tell, yes, exactly. Um, but this kid, Pascal, he could not hide his sexual orientation because mm. he was pretty much the poster child of uh, Scouts for Equality advocating for allowing gay youth in uh, the Boy Scouts. So he. Oh, so he played a he played a mm-hmm. role in that earlier move to try to to get that original rule about scouting about youth in the Scouts changed. And then when he was older, he wanted to still be part of scouting. And it's like paradoxically, there was no way he could play with the don't ask, don't tell rule. Exactly, because he was super out. He decided that he wasn't going to let the policy stand in in his way. Um, so he applied to a summer camp run by the Greater New York Councils. Um, shortly after he was hired by, by the council, um, the the national office, of course, found out about it, and uh, the the family retained legal counsel. And uh, you know they they certainly didn't want it to go the route of having to to sue the Boy Scouts. But as the Boy Scouts say, be prepared. The reason that the event in New York was so powerful was that New York has really strong anti-discrimination employment laws. And so the Boy Scouts of America were faced with, hello, we're going to really take this on in New York, or are we just going to you know, change the ban in the way that we want to change it so that the court doesn't change it for us? And that's what they decided to go for. So the lawsuit didn't actually happen, but it looked like it was a really credible case, and they were in a state where the laws were like really amenable to the case that Pascal was making. You got it. That's exactly right. There were lots of other lawsuits happening, but this was the one that was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is a really big deal. And, you know, we could be faced with the courts changing our policy for us, or we could change the policy ourselves and make it more of what we want it to be. And that's what they ended up doing. And that's why they have the exemption that says that churches can go ahead and exclude gay leaders if that's in keeping with their faith. Wow, that's pretty That's pretty slippery. It's, uh... and, I don't know. When I was talking to Justin, I, I was kind of like, why would you want to be involved in an organization that has systematically excluded you as a demographic 
and as a person for so many years? Like, right. Yeah, that's that's always uh, that's a tough question, and, and we get that question a lot. Um, and a lot of people that have not been in scouts don't understand that. But I'll tell you that almost anyone that has been in scouts immediately does understand why we fight for it. I look back on scouting as probably the single most significant influence on my life in terms of, of developing my interests and kind of finding out who I am as a person. Yeah, I totally, I totally get that. Like, I and I don't know how different the Girl Scout thing is, like. You, so you were talking to people in, you know, a fairly big city in Oklahoma, but still, it's kind of a rural area. I, when I did scouts, Girl Scouts, I was also in, in a pretty rural area in South Dakota. It was a really small town. And, like, scouting was kind of, like, one of the only things in town to do. You know, it was, like, softball in the summer <laughs> um, and scouting and church activities, like youth groups. That was kind of it. And that's where, like, all the other kids in school were hanging out outside of school. And, like, you know, there were kids that definitely didn't do that stuff, but there were a lot of kids that did. And you wanted to be part of that, right? Yeah, no, you make a really good point. Like, not, you know, there aren't always a lot of options in the community where you live. And if that's, like, part of your community. And, I mean, the thing about Tulsa is the Boy Scouts literally started in Oklahoma. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And there's this. Wow. Yeah. Many little boys in Oklahoma, you know, want to be a part of that. It is part of their culture. It is part of their heritage. It is part of so it makes so it know, makes where sense they that live. These people are, you know, fighting fighting for this, right? Rather than just walking away and doing their own thing, right? Like they could take their kids camping with other people, and they could do like wilderness stuff on their own, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the same. It's not the same. It's not the same as this hundred-year-old organization that has so much history yeah. um, and presence in their community. Exactly. But I did talk to somebody who did choose to start a new program. She doesn't live in Tulsa. She lives in the Bay Area in California. So my name is Anivet Martinez, and I am one of the co-founders of the Radical Monarchs. Two years ago, her daughter was in the fourth grade and she wanted to join the Girl Scouts. But Miss Martinez says that her daughter would have been one of two girls of color in the troop. And she was concerned that that particular troop just wouldn't be able to affirm who her daughter was as a young girl of color. And so Anya Vett had an idea to start a new troop. And uh, I shared that idea with her. I was like, well, you know, Lupita, I, like, I don't know about that troop, but I have this crazy idea. And what do you think about this? And she lit up. Like, she was just kind of like her. She was like, oh, my God, like, Mommy, that sounds amazing. And I would love that. And let's do it. Let's do it. So Anyavet knew that she, like, could not do this whole troop with all these little girls and figuring out the planning and figuring out the programming by herself. She has a full-time do- job. She has, you know, children. She's busy. So she reached out to her close friend, Marilyn Hollenquist, to see if she would do it with her. And Marilyn was like, oh, my God, that is like a dope idea. And I was like, will you do it with me? I cannot do this alone. And she was like, hell yeah, we're doing this. So here so here are two busy working mothers. Well, Marilyn's not a mother. Oh, interesting. OK, so who are the who who are these ladies then? Who who are Marilyn and Annabeth? What are their backgrounds? They've worked in social justice. They are educators. This is their niche. So what kind of things do they do with the girls? Well, 
Of course, they earn badges like any good scouting organization. Um, but their badges are a bit different and they earn them in really active ways. Ooh, okay. I'm intrigued. Right. So to earn their badges, they do things like go to marches. They do crafts about social justice movements. They visit social justice leaders. They're really very active. Wow. That sounds very different from the kind of Girl Scouting that I did. (laughs) In what way? Well, I mainly joined because I wanted to play hide-and-seek in the church basement, but... um... Which is cool, too. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, And there was, oh, and the favorite thing they did once a year, all the Girl Scouts, like in all the different troops in the town, got locked in the local mall, which was like this, you know, pathetic, tiny little shopping mall, which must have just Mm -mm. been pure hell Mm -mm. for all of the scout leaders because it was like, you know, a hundred preteen girls staying up all night, strung out on pizza and soda and... At the mall. Um, at the mall in a mall it's one thing to have in that situation in your house when you can like go drink wine in your room yeah i wouldn't do that for anyone for any yeah child. can you imagine that so wow but that was my scouting experience wow sleepovers and hide and seek in the church basement that that's a far cry from from this the radical monarchs yeah yeah so can you give me any examples of the kind of badges that the radical monarchs work on yeah of course um so their first badge was a Black Lives Matter badge, and then they did a Radical Beauty Ooh, badge, wow. and yeah, a Radical Pride badge, where they learned about LGBTQ issues. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember badges that we did because I didn't earn very many of them. That's okay. Um, You're still special. I didn't remember the sewing badge. I think I shouldn't have earned it, but I got mm. it like as a sort of a charitable mm, act, so sewing. Dream. There's one example. And then I, I was curious. I checked out the um, website that lists all of the current badges because I'm sure they've added a lot of new ones since I was there. Um, so here, here are a couple that might interest you. Okay. Uh, okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Comparison shopping. Comparison shopping. Uh, I mean, that's a life skill. What are we comparing? Yeah, I'm not really sure. What is comparison shopping? I don't what know. does that mean? <laughs> are you looking just for prices? That, what is comparison shopping? Wait, I can tell you. Okay, from cardigans to cars, you can buy just about anything online these days, even if you, even if you end up buying an item in an actual store. Whew, the novelty. You can use the internet to compare prices and find the best deal. I was right. Yeah, you called it. Oh. You called Ooh. it. Who's the bomb? Yes. Who is the shit? I'm impressed. You should have been a Girl Scout. I can't believe I got that right. Are you impressed with me? I'm, I think I should get... I'm, you know how you get like honorary degrees from universities and stuff if you're like really fancy? You should get, you should I get should the get honorary shit. comparison shopping badge. By the time you're through with your list, I think I should get something all right like i'll kind of send you my vest old uh, vest or like handkerchief it doesn't it doesn't have any badges on it though i'm about to kill all right here's, here's another one for I'm you about to kill this this badge is called netiquette manners what it's called medicate netiquette like you know net internet etiquette oh netiquette oh you just gave me a huge clue because i would have been it's about how to act online stay away from chat rooms (laughs) like how to avoid predators that's what it should really be called 
how to avoid, like why why are we talking about the way little girls should act online are they really the ones who are acting bad online yeah you know what sometimes bullying? they it's are bullying. sometimes they are don't don't rule out the little girls the, <laughs> the little girls like you know when they're repressed when they're when they don't have anywhere else to express their feelings their Social negative feelings media. And, then they, and then they get access to the internet watch out yes yes, Ooh, yes. they will hurt you on the internet yes netiquette this is how you be nice on the internet there is nowhere you can be mean that's right you can only be nice so that so that's what i got for you i got comparison shopping netiquette and And netiquette and sewing that's from my era that's the only badge sewing yes 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 the sewing badge so it it sounds like i would have passed that i i I feel though i i want to you know we're sort of joking about these um these badges but i mean I could see how, like, for a, a certain generation of women, it wouldn't be totally irrelevant to do some of the, especially the kinds of badges that were around when I was a scout. Or even before that, like canning. Yeah. That is a practical skill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Preserving food, that's no joke. So, it, I mean, it, it is relevant. But, it's relevant. But I have to say, I mean, a Black Lives Matter badge, I mean, that is, that. I mean, they are really preparing these girls to like be part of the world that we live in like in in a really meaningful way but i guess you could say like a canning badge is like how to preserve food right which you need in order to live but if you think about it like some people have to work to preserve their lives on a totally different level beyond food like the food thing that's still there but also you know getting killed by the police that also happens it's survival so skills right it's, it's preserving uh, lives survival survival skills. skills yeah yeah now the comparison shopping i'm not exactly sure where that yeah let's not let's not qu- query that one let's survival, not query that one too hard let's not unpack it <laughs> okay <laughs> So, so anyway, do you have a sense what might be next for the Radical Monarchs? Right now, Anyavet and Marilyn have started two troops, but they both still have full-time jobs. And ultimately, they want this to be their full-time work. And you know what? Like that just, it's so hard to do a passion project on the side. Don't you think, my friend? Oh, tell me about it. Tell me about it. It's like all you want to do but sometimes it's the last thing you have any energy left to do after you've done all the things that you absolutely cannot get out of doing yeah i think it and it can be hard to center your passion project when you have so many Mm -hmm. other demands Mm -hmm. on your life and i think a lot of women struggle with this i think men probably do too but Mm -hmm. i think a lot of women struggle with the sense of kind of like duty yeah it's like we are very well trained to take care of other people first Mm mm-hmm so talking to Anyavet was really interesting because when she started this troop, you know, it was really about fulfilling a need, a specific need that her daughter 
had. It mm-hmm. wasn't just some pie in the sky thing. It was like, my kid needs this. I'm going to make it happen. Yep. Um, but she also, you know, knew that she needed help. And so she reached out to Marilyn. Marilyn doesn't have kids. And I asked Anya Vet, like, isn't it so awesome to have friends who, like, don't have that, I'm going to say burden, don't have that <laughs> burden of, like, having kids. Do you know what I mean? And, and all the yep. things that come with it and can, like, give you energy. Yeah, that's that's that partnership sounds a little bit familiar, actually. When we started doing this project, like, you could come over to my house on your way to work early in the morning. We could, like talk and work on the project and everything and things have changed like I moved to Indiana and now we talk on the phone do you feel like you want to talk about other ways things have changed things as you know it's been a while since we put an episode out and and part of that I think has been I was totally incapacitated by like all day morning sickness because I am about to become a mom. I'm so excited for you. And, you know, my kid's getting older now. So it's neat to be able to kind of switch roles between you and me, like where I can be like, okay, I can lift a little bit more because you've got this little baby now. And so like lean on me, you know, tell me what you need. It's neat to be able to be like, you know what? You were there for me. Oh my God. That's the shower. It's totally picking up on this end. God, Sajin. Oh my God, okay. Uh, You know what, I think I have to switch rooms. I'm in my closet right now, but Sajin just started showering in the bathroom. (laughs) So, let me me see if I can find um, another quiet place. I don't know why he has to shower right now. Hang on, I'm just gonna uh, switch rooms, okay? Sitting on my laundry basket. Oh, this is kind of comfortable, actually. Mm. Hang on. Okay. You know what? This totally works. This totally works. Nice. I don't even remember what we were talking about. Well, I think we were talking about basically your pregnancy, mm. right, is changing a lot of things in your life. Like People really treat you differently. Like The things they want to talk to you about are different. Like Everybody's mm. always asking you about your health. Mm. You know, which is nice. I appreciate the concern, but I'm still me. You know, I'm not just pregnant. Um, I'm still Anne, you know. Yeah, is that pretty disorienting for you to be, yeah. It's really disorienting. And for a while, it was actually really depressing. Mm. I was really, really, like, as happy and thrilled as I was to be pregnant after trying for so long and wondering if I would even ever be able to do it. Um the change was pretty immediate and I really wasn't sure if I was comfortable with it. I had like mm-hmm. a pretty clear sense of myself and um, suddenly that was turned on its head and I, w- I felt like I was losing a lot more than I was gaining mm. just because in the beginning you really like you know that you're pregnant but you don't really feel it aside from feeling like crap right. all the time, you know, but you don't feel like you're really like there's a living little person inside you. So, uh, but you, I mean, you would call me and check in on me every few days because I think you kind of sensed that, like, not only was I, like, physically not well, but um, that I was, like, kind of struggling, not feeling great about things, like, emotionally. I think that's pretty normal. I don't know if I sensed that particularly in you, but maybe I anticipated it as, like, a normal experience of pregnancy. I don't know. I did not anticipate that 
at all. I mean, I yeah. sort of vaguely knew that like my identity would be changed by this experience forever and ever and ever, but I didn't think it would happen right away. I thought it would be more like when the baby arrived. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird. It's like weird. It is a very weird transition that nobody talks about. Yeah. And for our show, I feel like um, it was cool that one of us was a mom and one of us yeah. wasn't in a sense. Sorry, it was like, hey, sorry two about that. Now we're like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks yep. for ruining Whoops. that cool right. thing we had going. Yeah. Just a bunch of moms um, now. Yep. Yeah, it's just a bunch of moms now. Now we're like the mom. Yeah. Like it really mom is. Mom mafia. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is the mom mafia. Um, well, the hosts are moms anyway. The stories aren't necessarily always going to be literal moms. But, Amen. Um, well, I don't know how to end this. Uh, who, else, who else do we need to thank? Maybe we should just go into our thank yous. We just want to thank um, Toby Jenkins, the director of Oklahomans for Equality. We want to thank Shauna Simpson and Lisa White, two moms who are um, involved in the troop that's hoping to start at Oklahomans for Equality. Big thank you to Justin Wilson, the executive director of Scouts for Equality. All the little boys, all the little members of the troop that hopes to be at Oklahomans for Equality. Big thank you to Anivet Martinez for talking to us about the Radical Monarchs, um, the program that she started with Marilyn Hollandquist. If you want to find them, you can go to their Facebook page, their Instagram, and their website is radicalmonarchs.org. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can always email us at motherapodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, motherapodcast.com. Where else are we? Or you can find us on Twitter, at motherapodcast. What else? Is I got to go to work anyway. Okay, yeah, you got to <laughs> get off of here and go to work. Um, we've got other cool stuff coming up so stay tuned we do and we're not gonna wait we're not gonna wait five months for it so no more morning sickness we're back in gear that's right thanks for your patience everybody totally so we'll be back soon all right i'm pushing stop all right bye amy bye